Hi everyone, I'm Duncan. And I'm Lyle. And we're here to tell you about the Acast supporter feature. If you enjoy this podcast and fancy going one step further in supporting the QLC, hit the link in the show description to find out more. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. What's not to like? Thank you so much, everyone. And enjoy this episode. The Quarter Life Chronicles With Duncan and Lyle Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Welcome back to the Quarter Life Chronicles Welcome back, welcome, welcome back, back Dunks Welcome um, The Quarter Life Chronicles <laughs> is back, that's right And guess what, trademark or not, back stronger yeah he's done it again he's he's only gone and done it again (laughs) (laughs) i've done it again because we are back with an absolutely brilliant series of episodes we're going to do another five or six episodes hopefully i think we've we've plugged in six that are going to round off our inaugural season very nicely another good word Um, inaugural inaugural we've been away and we've realized we never wanted to be away. We've had a lovely <laughs> break, but we've realised that we just missed this. We missed each other and we missed yeah, bringing you. Yeah, All there is to talk about when it comes to the quarter life crisis and other things as well. Other things you might touch upon. Have you been, Dunks? Have you been? How's the last few weeks been? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, good. I can't deny the opening of the beer gardens was something, wasn't it? That was something. Going back for a fresh beer really really was yeah so needed and you know there's been a few less so great moments you know we did lose prince phil rest in peace phil thank you for your time great servant to the country but also we've had some other irritating moments like when football tried to be stolen away let's not talk about that too much i mean (laughs) let's not get there because i mean honestly we will no doubt have another sort of fairly football centric (laughs) guest on and we will just rip that to pieces as it Uh, deserves on the brighter side i did a i i found a sort of temporary job that's kept me really afloat and kept me in a good sort of headspace and the weather's looking good so yeah I'm, I'm doing okay i'm doing okay how about you how about you la how you been what's going on yeah not too bad mate not too bad uh my uh, lovely fiance alice has been in a bubble for the last four and a bit weeks so i've been uh, living the uh, bachelor's lifestyle once again <laughs> and guess what it was absolutely brilliant for about a day and then <laughs> i thought you were about to say it was brilliant for like the whole time no and then about a day in i was like i just cannot cope on my own anymore it was like i did it for so long how on earth and that's, that sounds pathetic and there'll be people out there going just grow up but honestly a day in i was like i've not got a clue how, how do you make a bed i know that's, i'm gonna get so much critical mail but i'm like yeah. yeah, I'm there in front of the bed with all the stuff, all the associated accoutrement I need. And Great. I'm in the duvet cover. Yep. And the bed's not made. And I'm like an hour in. It was ridiculous. But yeah, it's been good. It's been it's been a great few weeks. Beer gardens open. The less said about Florentino Perez and the rest of those cronies. <laughs> well, we should have bleep his name out. Shouldn't we? Bleep his name out. <laughs> D- dare not speak his name. But <laughs> we are obviously thrilled to be back. And this week's episode is an absolutely brilliant one we are thrilled to welcome someone who is very close to particularly dunks but to both of us i feel and this episode is a really pertinent and thought-provoking one and also a brilliantly fun one a really joyous one as well sure now just as a warning before we get into the main body of what is a brilliant episode this episode that you're about to listen to does contain some themes that some people might find a bit upsetting themes to do with grief themes to do with loss and we recommend that you have a quick look over our show notes if this is something that you've come into contact with however recently and if you think it might be something that affects you in a certain way over the next hour and a bit but other than that we hope you really really enjoy it it's been absolutely brilliant to speak to this particular person and without further ado i'll let the main man here dunks <laughs> introduce you to this person and also to some relevant places you can go to if this has been something that's affected you 
throughout your life. So Dunks, take it away. Thank you, man. Yeah. So this week we spoke to my wonderful girlfriend, Becky Gibbs, who, as well as being my wonderful girlfriend, uh, is also the creator and founder of a wonderful inspirational art page called Gibbs Inc., which you can find on Instagram. And she, um, this page was founded from a really, really significant event that happened to Becky a couple of years ago. And much of the podcast you're about to hear talks about that event and in, talks about it in a wonderful, wonderful way. As Lyle mentioned, there are places to go to if you are struggling with mental health that we do talk about throughout this episode places like samaritans um, wonderful mental health charities like mind a mental health foundation they are amazing places i'm actually running my marathon in october for mind and so i I can't recommend them enough as a as somewhere to send people if they're looking for mental health support so without further ado i just don't want to say too much because i think this episode just speaks completely for itself it is a beautiful hour or so we were so touched by the experience of it and i hope you all listeners enjoy it too sit back relax it's got everything this and i'm so glad you're back with us this is becky gibbs talking to us on the court live chronicles we'll see you at the end folks hello hello becky hello hello <laughs> hello hello now now this is a little bit different to how we usually do this because our guest today is in the room with me <laughs> so this is a little bit different but uh look you know we said when we started this podcast we're going to keep it real what yep. can you get more real as getting your own partner on absolutely absolutely (laughs) it's just another step in the right direction for the pod for society i mean we are we are one individual participant in an episode of the podcast closer to all being in the same place which is which is encouraging isn't (laughs) it but yeah it's great to have you on bex it's great to have you on very 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 much it's very good to be here yeah i'm not sure in this situation who's the third wheel oh big call earlier wow I think it's all of us and none of us. I think it's you. I think it's you, don't. It's me. What are you trying to say? There you go. Thrown under the bus instantly, like early doors. We're not even five minutes in. On this particular occasion, on the first episode back from our mid-season break, I'm not going to say my catchphrase, which is that you have stumbled into the Court of Live Chronicles because... You haven't stumbled into it, have you, Bex? You haven't. You haven't. You've, uh, come you've, you've come up the stairs. <laughs> you know, you knew where you were going. You are in the Quarter Life Chronicles, a podcast that deals with the myriad of different issues surrounding the maze that is the Quarter Life Crisis. To you, what does a Quarter Life Crisis mean? What's a Quarter Life Crisis to you? Well, what I'd probably say that it is, is, you know, I don't know if either of you had this as a child, but you know, when you get lost in a supermarket, you get astrayed from your parent and you're on your own and you're in the big aisles and you're like, what the fuck? What do I do? <laughs> and you're sort of panicking. Everything seems giant. Everything seems like totally, totally overwhelming. And everybody, you know, everyone's trying to help you get back to your parent. It feels like that to me. So apart from... I'm not a child lost in a supermarket. I'm an adult. And I, for some reason, I look like an adult, but I feel like a child. Yeah. And But nobody is helping me because seemingly I should know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. And nobody's on the tannard saying, oh, would Becky please come to the front desk? I'm just on my own stuck in this supermarket that is life. Do you want to elaborate on why you look at it that way? Why you see a core life crisis as being a bit like not knowing how to get back to someone significant, not how, not knowing how to find your way out of the supermarket. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think the, the supermarket analogy, 
mm. definitely aligns with the the sense of dread that 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 brings it's the same as when you lose your phone for a moment where you go oh my god oh my god and you're in that kind of panic state where you don't know where something is and for me that is yeah it does go a bit further because for me I did I did lose someone very close to me um so that feeling of trying to get back to the person definitely fits my quarter life years I suppose so yeah in 2019 which is two years ago which is absolutely bonkers like to to even say the word two years seems crazy because that seems when you say it such a long time but for me it doesn't particularly feel that my mum quite suddenly passed away and yeah the 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 shock of that because it was an out of out of the blue death was like very 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 immense um and I think shock as a as a human feeling is like hugely under talked about as as something that affects you it you you feel as if you're in an alternate reality and that your brain is trying to catch up with what what is the truth and that is something I'm still working on coming back to what you know coming to terms with I guess is is the truth and even being here today and talking about it is a step towards doing that I've yeah I have especially at the beginning of everything I definitely was in such a state of denial because it's one of those things that you think no 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 this this happens to other people this doesn't happen to me this doesn't happen to me and the the reality of it is that it really could happen to any of us and that we that we have to be more prepared for that in some way and like that sounds really really morbid but looking at it in a in a more positive light it's it's understanding how fragile and beautiful life is and that we really need to cherish every single moment with everybody because it really really could be your last moment and I I wish that I knew that or was more prepared I suppose yeah I was I was going to say um we've kind of touched on it already but you know in the in the world of a quarter life crisis which you know is is generally what we try and we try and talk about each week <laughs> vaguely speaking I mean, <laughs> I mean it's it's a very loose thread I mean, let's be a lot honest. of other topics we probably yeah. covered equally as that <laughs> but sorry listeners if you were, if you were coming for some really you know in-depth analysis of the of the phrase you're probably in the wrong place but it's like why do but, people watch top gear like you know it's not about cars anymore is it like no, you know what no, i mean no, it's no. like you know people still watch it so you know um, yeah. but what i what i was saying was that um you know, we, we talk about a course of crisis as perhaps a series of events or a period of your life or a gradual realization of that thought that you are a bit stuck. But we don't talk about a course of crisis perhaps just being one event or one moment that is a crisis in your course of life years. And <laughs> yeah, that, that, for you, that, you know, what it is <laughs> it, what it is, you know, it, you know, there is no other way to talk about it. I just turned 25. It was about two weeks after my 25th birthday. And I remember thinking like in the lead up to turning 25, I was like full of such like anxiety about that kind of course of life. Mark, like, what's that going to be? What's that going to be? Oh my gosh. And actually I got there and I was like, do you know what? I think 25 is all right. You know, I think I'm all right. Like I feel solid. Like I'm in London. Lots of my friends are here. I'm currently working on a couple of shows like that that I'm really passionate about and that's really really cool I don't hate my day job which is always a positive <laughs> um, and just thinking like do you know what it's not brilliant but it's not terrible and then this happened and I was like oh fuck <laughs> so yeah it kind of I think where I went was from sort of zero to 100 in terms of the emotions so I was actually in like a clowning workshop when I found out and uh, well actually you well, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go too into detail about, you know, my experience of it because it's your, it's mostly your experience and I don't want to speak for you. But, um, but yeah, I, I found out the news 
before Becky did. And that was really difficult for me to deal with. It was really hard because I couldn't get hold of, she was in a workshop and I couldn't get hold of her and it was, it was dreadful, but I knew I had to. And I just kept, I kept, I kept calling, kept calling. And then, you know, I mean, we, we don't need to go over it, but it was a ter- very difficult 24 hours just trying to process something. Yeah. But we did it in the, it just sounds weird, but we did it in the right way. And that sounds really weird to say. But we got it. Yeah. We had a big. We got a whole house full of pe- all your friends came around, didn't we? We had your brother who'd come. Yeah, we we, we, we tried we, to get as many people in in the house as we could to keep the the, the house alive and keep the you know keep the the building. Uh, you know what I mean? We tried to. Yeah, keep it. I think I think when you have a bit of a moment like that where it's like essentially an identity crisis because you suddenly have no idea who you are because you're not in relation to somebody, or you you've lost them. You've lost who you are with them, which is really crucial. Like we are. What, what somebody brings out of us is really unique. So that's why we have, you know, that's why different relationships with different people, different friendships are so important because each person brings something out of us. So suddenly thinking, God, I've lost who I am with my mum, as well as my mum, as well as the future and the sort of constructed idea of what life would look like all at the same time is a complete identity crisis. And I just was like, yeah, in a complete state of just shock and disbelief because you're, you're, you're hearing something as, as the truth that you have to just take as the truth and your brain's going, well, no, 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 no. So yeah, being with everybody was amazing because we just drank wine, we played <laughs> games, we did anything that was like grasping at normality and what you yeah, knew yeah. and yeah. the kind and, of... And also grasping at what we would have been doing with your mum as well. We immediately did what we also used to do. Yeah. We used to sit with your mum and drink wine and play games and eat, and eat big meals at the table that like everyone had helped prepare. And yeah. we did that for the for the whole week after everything happened. We just did that every night. Yeah, we had a good time. I mean, it, mm. I, it sounds weird to say, but we did have good nights where we we would drink and laugh and talk about her. Yeah. And it did help. I think that there is a very thin line between laughter and crying that people don't realise. <laughs> that actually you can only, when you're in that state, you can only let one emotion in fully at a time. So you can go from hysterically laughing at a memory or a thought or whatever it is to then being in complete pieces. It's, it's very bizarre. Like when everything's so on the surface, everything's on the surface. Yeah. It's so and also just on that as well. Like, I mean, just as a sort of very small tangent, like I think that's something that is worth saying. It sounds obvious, but I mean, you know, square peg, square holes is if you feel joy, you laugh. If you feel sorry, you cry, but people cry when they're happy. And, mm-hmm. you know, myself and Dunks, I'm sure you Bex as well. And your experiences with, with audiences uh, in shows, uh, and in my work with children, some individuals, children or otherwise, laugh when they're uncomfortable. You know, mm-hmm. or laugh when they're sad. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not mm-hmm. it's not as cut and dry as you know. You can be feeling sorrow, and therefore you must cry. You know, yeah. it's, it is that, and it's and it's. First of all, thank you so much for already being so open about something which is just I I, I can imagine only imagine is still so difficult to to talk about and think about, and it, and it's incredible. And I think I think for all that you said right at the top that it's going to be, this is a step for you. I think this will also be quite an important step for a lot of other people if they're listening because you're being so eloquent about it and brilliant. So I just want to go on record before we before we go any further as saying thank you very much and, and it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and like, thank you both for make, creating a safe space that is allowing me to do this. Hey, look, we have our podcast. Our podcast has <laughs> never been called a safe space. Look, thank yeah, you look, very you much. Know, yeah, like, that's a well, I'm recording from my own home, so I should hope. <laughs> You're safe here, Becky. <laughs> feel safe hmm. <laughs> but you no, honestly you're, you're so welcome and, and i think what's interesting and what you've touched on there as well is you were heading towards some semblance of a quarter-life crisis in terms of your own 
existential mm. being. You, you, you were approaching 25, which I would describe as peak QLC, is the phrase we love here. You got there and you thought, actually, and, and it, it was on the verge of being the shortest quarter-life crisis <laughs> um, to man. It was, it was on the verge of being a two-week quarter-life crisis. Mm. And then as you brilliantly described and dunks as you touched upon as well, then this one event makes it, well, the one event's the crisis, but it happens mm. at a quarter-life time. It happens a quarter of the way through your life when when you've already got and i and I, again i'm probably speaking well, i think i'm speaking for all of us but you've already got a heck of a lot of shit on your plate do you know what i mean yeah like we were oh yeah we were in our own quarter life crisis um sort of with our careers at definitely, that point like definitely. both not really sure what we were planning on doing moving forward about to move house yep um you know lots of things were changing at that time already and then this was thrown on top of it yeah i think it's a very yeah, the shittest part of this is, well, I don't think there's any good with fingers bending. What's this called? <laughs> Inverted commas. Inverted commas. I like, I like finger bending, though. I think uh, yeah, yeah. Finger bending. That, 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 can, that can be trademarked. Let's go with finger bend brackets. Finger, uh. finger bending. There's no good age to lose a parent, period. There is none. But, but within that, that period, from speaking for myself, I didn't feel particularly stable in what I was doing, where I was anyway. So this just completely toppled me in every sense. And also, but also it completely swamped everything else. Like every little niggle that I was having about myself or like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're a little bit over the weight you want to be or like, oh, like, did you do that audition well? You know, whatever it was suddenly just felt so irrelevant to the, the mass that was this thing that was thrust upon me because it wasn't, it wasn't an, with grief, it's not just that somebody dies. There's a heck of a load of admin, death admin, mm. that comes with it that is thrust on you when you are at your most vulnerable. And it's really horrible and cold and humanness. Like, you know, what, I'm trying to think of the stuff that like sort of things like car insurance, bills, mortgage, workplace, all these people need telling that this thing has happened, that they need making aware, they need sorting, they need cancelling. And the position that I was in, so my parents have been divorced about 20 years. Um, So my dad actually lives in America. So his role within this whole situation was very much like mine and my brother's support. You know, he showered us with love and support and everything he could do for us. But every decision that had to be made, the buck kind of lied at us. Is that the phrase? Yeah, but was it laid at your door? Yeah. And, you know, we were the next to kin. We, We were the closest people to her. So with things like the funeral, I remember sort of almost like looking around, going, what, what's happening? What's happening here? Mm-hmm. And then going, oh, no, wait, I need to do this because, no, you know, and, and it, it also came from a place of no one wanting to step on our toes, which I really appreciate. But it was like, oh, okay, right, this is, this is down to me. Like, and it, it didn't actually end up happening for about six weeks after she passed because I just couldn't handle it. I was, I've no, I'm, I was like, I don't well, know what, I mean, how to do a fucking I mean, funeral. To, to be fair, to be fair, right? The first four weeks were incredibly difficult. You know, the, the processing and all this admin began. Yeah. And then we had a date for the funeral and we were like, let's just go on holiday. So, <laughs> so yeah. luckily we had a holiday already pre-booked with my parents. And we were like, do we go? Do we not go? And I think going on that was the best decision we made. It was. If we hadn't gone on that holiday, it would have made those last two weeks leading up to the funeral so awful. 
but because we were away. Yeah, yeah. and that and makes we, that probably sun, makes me sound a bit psychotic. But <laughs> you need anything that is positive and, and normal, and where you can kind of like come up for air a bit and just be like, oh yeah, okay, the world the world's carrying on. Like there's hope. It, everything is still kind of as it were. Like the, the, it's almost like the te- the the tablecloth's been pulled, and everything's landed in a kind of slightly bizarre place but it's still all there it's still all there mm. it's another really brilliant point and i think like you know i mean i i didn't know either of you um at that point you know mm. obviously and I, I but actually I, I i met dunks quite soon after this happened but i think knowing that you went on that holiday and hearing you speak about that now it does make perfect sense because actually going on that holiday that you planned to go on already it, it obviously wasn't going to go away it was still there but you were living life still you talked about time and you talked about this idea that like you enjoyed those nights immediately after it happened because life happens, mm. you know, and, and, and that's, that's such an important thing because. And, and hopefully it's quite hopeful. Like yeah. you can't experience true happiness without true sadness. They go hand in hand there. Mm. They coexist. And I remember being on that holiday and sitting on the beach in the sun and just taking a sort of mental, physical, everything, just relief of breath, just thinking like, God, I needed this. I needed to just be somewhere so peaceful and away from all the chaos that was at home just for a few days. And I'm I'm so, so, so glad that we did because... Yeah, one of my, one of my abiding memories of that trip, actually, um, was when we went to that beach, we got incredibly sunburned. Oh my God. But that's another story. <laughs> Like, well, like we weren't in the headspace like, to sort like, of think about sun cream chem- and chemically sunburned, like 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 someone had like poisoned us. But that's another story. Um, but what <laughs> I, I remember it. happening above all is we're on the beach and you went for a swim mm. and you went and I went. Do you want me to come? And you said no. And I didn't. You didn't have to say anything else. You just said no. And I knew why you said no because I was like, you just want to go and be in the ocean and and be and think and mm. and think about life. Mm. And that's not my place to go and join you for that moment of reflection yeah. and you were there and you honestly were in the water for about an hour uh, yeah. you went off swimming and you just and you were just bobbing up and down I mean obviously boyfriend hat on I was looking for health and safety <laughs> but but I wasn't I didn't just fuck off to the pub or the bar or the bar in Port- Portugal we're in Portugal he had his rubber um, ring ready like Baywatch running in like Baywatch no <laughs> um, but, I'll tell you two things that happened in that in being in that water having a moment of going I see that there is beauty in the world and like it's going to be okay there was a real moment of it's going to be okay and then there were sort of moments of like dipping under and having a quick scream because have you ever tried screaming in the water it releases a hell of a load I really (laughs) recommend a little water scream if you ever get the chance or or feel the need Um, well life chronicles top tip uh, scream underwater (laughs) scream underwater Uh, it's not heard but it 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 gets all the juices flowing and out (laughs) um then we came home and there was a lot to deal with. So, yeah, as I said, my, my parents aren't together. So he wasn't really making any of the decisions about anything. So And rightly so. Rightly so. His, it wasn't, wasn't his, his place. place. It's no. his place for lots of things, but not that. So th- things like her house, which is my family home, that was incredibly, incredibly hard. And that took a lot of time, actually, to feel brave enough to even go to or to, to begin to digest and sort out and everything like that. So, like... I think a bit like a messenger to the house, sort of like by going in and moving anything, it felt like bringing the reality of what had gone on. So keeping it how it was, was like such a sense of my mum and such a sense of our life and our belongings and every, you know, everything was as she left it, which was 
beautiful and tragic at the same time and it, it took a really long time and it, it it was the hardest thing I've ever done but I'm so proud of myself that I've you know there's a lot of things that I now think I'm gonna get to however old and that won't be scary I've done that I've done this mm. I've done that I, you know all these bizarre things that I've had to sort of like try and understand at this age and at this point in my life I kind of go yeah okay like I've done it though like I'm I'm mm. here I'm, I'm I've done it it's done um, you're on, and you're you're you've reached the pinnacle. You're on the Quarter Life Chronicles talking about it. I am. You know, it's, it. <laughs> it, but in itself is is really like a big thing for me because if you'd have asked me to come on this a year ago or any talk about it in, in an open way a year ago, I'd have I'd have said absolutely no way. I was in such a sort of like dance with the truth and would would try my best to keep it hidden or disguised in however way, way I could because I just couldn't handle the, re- the reality so there was a time in we we went to see my dad the following summer and we, we saw some family friends who live on a lake and they had some friends that they had at this lake that they'd brought along so we were all at a barbecue or something and I stood by the water's edge on the dock with this girl perfectly lovely girl we were chatting away and she said okay so your dad lives here and I was like yep and she said okay so but you're English aren't you and I was like yep and she was like so so where did your mum live I honestly, I just went, let's go swimming and jumped in the lake because I'd rather like, in that moment, that's what I did instead of just saying the truth because I I just couldn't, I couldn't handle the truth. (laughs) Wait, no, but Um, you just couldn't say it at that point. I couldn't say it out loud. I couldn't like something about speaking or any form of expression. It's making something tangible that when you maybe you're not ready to and I wasn't. So I just jumped in the in the lake like a like a weirdo, and I, I think she 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 did jump in after me. But you could tell she was like, "What's going on?" What? Sorry, I thought we we'd all, you know we we were dry and <laughs> we're talking about something else. Yeah, now but it diffused, now we're just swimming. It did diffuse a, the situation. Uh, it did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you did. You were doing lots of other things as well, weren't you? So like you you your way of coping initially, you just did loads of stuff. Oh my god! So like you just stuff. overworked your body and brain. To kind of not to not sit down and think about it for a while, didn't you? A hundred percent. I was in three different shows on three different nights <laughs> at three different venues. But I remember just thinking, like, this is everything you work for. Like, you are going to do these shows like that. The, the sort of internal voice that we all have kind of went, get yourself off the floor and get up to that rehearsal room and do what you love. And and that was sort of partly my voice, but probably partly my mum's voice too. And I just thought. One, push yourself, because I think that was the cruel side of my psyche being a little bitch. And then <laughs> and then also that, you know, life has to go on. And like, you, again, I've said, I said it earlier, but grasping at what, what you know, grasping at what is solid was so important to me. And, and I don't, reg- I mean, I was absolutely shattered. Yeah, you But were. I don't regret yeah. it. It, it. At the time, that's the only way I could handle what was going on. So, yeah, we've obviously spoken about how you and how we processed that initial kind of few weeks and how it was for you and how we did all sorts of all manner of mad things but I I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about your mum who she was to you who she was to others and and me as well and I obviously will will say something too but any memories no of course and I actually this to me is such a gift of a question because I think sometimes people might feel like if they bring up somebody who has passed away to somebody who's bereaved that you might send them into a spiral of sobbing chaos or that you might be reminding them that their person has has died but 
to me, I, I can't speak for everybody, but to me, it's it's almost the opposite. It's reminding me that they lived. It's reminding me of their energy and, you know, who they were and, and that, that they were here, which is so, so important because they're still, they're still whoever to you. Like, you know, my mum is still my mum. I'm still in relation to her. You know, she's still impacting me every day and her, you know, what my childhood still impacts me every single day, just as it does everybody. So it, yeah, it's, it's, it really is a gift to be asked that because it really flares her energy up into the room and just reminds me <laughs> of the, who she was and who she was, we can both agree, <laughs> was a totally bonkers. Mad as a hatter. Woman. She, she was utterly brilliant. She was always the life and soul of the party. Um, she loved a party. We hosted many a party in my youth. Our house was 100% the house that their everyone... House, their house was the party house of their town. The pre-drinks house, the barbecue house, you name it. She she absolutely <laughs> loved everybody coming around. She loved young people and what they could teach her and bring to her. She she never... She was almost ageless. Yeah, and yeah. she treated people agelessly. Is that a word? Yeah, no, she did. She wasn't... She never... She, she treated people on what energy they brought to a, a space rather yeah. than perhaps their life experience or their lack of experience or age or anything like that. It never came into it. It was just about what you she, gave her energy was. She met people where they were, which is yeah, a yeah. really and, amazing yeah. trait. Um, she drove a red convertible mini um, <laughs> that she would blare her music out of. And when whenever you were a guest in her car, there would be a selection of like strange hats from her travels that you'd have to wear because the wind blew your hair and uh, <laughs> so you'd be like okay I'll go for the Peruvian hat today and <laughs> we all looked like absolute nutters driving along in this car but it was brilliant and again it was she always had this capacity to kind of choose life and that you know I tried to carry that like like let's be silly let's embrace this moment who yeah, cares yeah, yeah. what people think because life's too short mm. yeah so she was a sort of very wild ditzy fabulous person who always kind of chose the wild side of things she was like a northern eddie from absolutely fabulous if anyone, if anyone <laughs> yeah like i'd say of, like that's kind of like a because she she wasn't from the north well she was from the north originally but then she moved to oxford but she still did a northern accent like 90 percent of the time yeah she sort of i think that's <laughs> like, why you joke, got on you yeah, guys she'd be both like, loved she'd an like, accent right, love, and i'd be like oh well, right, love. and you know what i'm like love, i do love an accent oh yeah so, uh, <laughs> yeah Almost as much as I love an analogy. Uh, yeah, you do that. You do love an accent. Oh, this, I mean, this, this is great. This sounds great. I mean, I, I can relate a lot to, um, and my mum, you know, might well be listening. My brothers might well be listening. Like my mum used to host parties very similarly, you know, parties that maybe shouldn't have been happening. Uh, I agree. I, was, like, I agree. 15. So I, and I love that. And, you know, Mini, great motor. Um, she loved a Mini. Yeah. She, she, she only ever drove Minis. Yeah, she had a number of Minis, actually. <laughs> the, the best thing and the thing that I kind of hold on to it in a way of comfort is that we we were really similar. We are really similar. We were, I don't know, I never, it's still bizarre saying in the past tense. So little moments where I catch her in, in me are really amazing. So like I scare so easily, she's scared so easily. So when I, when I jump, even when I jump at something, I just think, oh, there you are, you know, like, or the way we saw the world or our ex- facial expression, just a lot, of, a lot of things are really similar. And that, that's really special because she is us and we are her. Me and my brother will never stop being her children. And that, you know, as I said before, the, the relationship continues and it, it just, it, it has changed because it's not physical anymore. But, you know, I feel her all, the, all around me in 
in the sense that like I know what she'd say to things I, I know how yeah. she'd react to things and that's yeah, yeah. really special it's it's so lovely to to still have that even though it's it it technically has gone now you know that's incredible um, and it's and it's and it's it's an amazing thing as well that you still talk about it in terms of it being a relationship you still have I feel like that's such a healthy thing to tell yourself to tell people around you and to tell people who listen to this podcast you might not know you but you mm. might have been going through something very similar is that I I agree and get on board with that 100% this idea that it's in its physical form it's gone but mm. it's it's a relationship still I don't envy the dilemma you find when you have to go were or are or was or is but you know I, I, I'd lean on is and mm. are that's an incredible thing an incredible way you've just described it is this idea that you know when you're scared when you know or when or when something else happens when you see a mini or whatever it's like oh yeah. I, should, I love the mini or you know when you see someone wearing a funny hat or you know we have funny soul. hats or you know and, yeah. and 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 that's hap- that's that's happening in real time you know that's not something that happened weeks ago that's happening in real time mm-hmm. so I, that that is incredible that's and really it's lovely. also it's also really important to me to like I can still be part of the conversation you know if people are talking about their mums and their traits and things or you know in any in any situation if something is to me in relation to something my mom would have done or said or whatever it is I'm gonna chip I'm gonna chip in with that because I still have you know I still have a mother she's not here but I can still talk about her and yeah to me that's really really important and I think you know in terms of grief and death and things it can be a really uncomfortable conversation to have with people and and yeah sometimes people really don't know what to say to you but I think sometimes it is like just to ask like you know what kind of music did your mum like or how how are you feeling today about your mum you know simple questions that just just notice that that, that they're what's happened and that they are still really important and well, that's something I was going to ask you, actually, just off the back of what you were saying. I mean, I'm going to go full transparency, full disclosure here. I just mentioned my mum and the parties I used to have, which were organised by my mum when I was younger. I'm going to be honest with you. I said that instinctively. And then a split second later, I thought I've mentioned my mum. And I thought, oh, and there was that feeling. And what you've just said is really interesting because I feel like asking the question how does it feel when other people talk about their relationships with their mums because I feel like this is kind of an interesting topic to to hit on because it's something that if people know that you have been through this how how do you respond to people mentioning their mum no that's that's a really great question and I, and, and I guess first and for, foremost my response is in relation to how I feel because in any grieving situation everybody does it differently and everybody reacts differently and some what I'm saying might completely not align with somebody else and how they feel about this but for me I thought I don't really mind I there's times when it can really be painful you know or that it can feel yeah a bit of a kind of kick in the in the teeth and it's not because they've you know that they have a mum or they you know whatever it is it's just that like oh man it's a remi- it can be a reminder like oh they're not here but I think where where I've come to now is okay they're not here but that doesn't mean we can't have a conversation about our mums like you know the, what you just said I just thought brilliant like I'd love to hear more about your mum and I'd love to tell you more about mine and they're probably they probably would have got on really well and like yeah <laughs> I think the most important thing is that my I can still chip in. I can still talk about her and, and relate to what you're saying and you can relate to what I'm saying. And it doesn't need to be as as morbid or it doesn't need to make somebody freeze up or think, oh, I've said the wrong thing. Because mm. actually it's still it's still an active conversation. They, you know, the, the memories that you have still exist and they still mm. are real. 
and they can still be in relation to other people's experiences. It's a very, I, very small tangent, but it's just something I wanted to ask because I feel like there'll be a lot of people who, who do wonder about, about mm. things like that in, in relation to any grief. It could, be, it could be to do with any relative or friend. I think you being honest about that just now is, is where we should all head towards, like in any conversation. Oh, I just said this. Was that the right thing? Did that, did that make you feel okay? Is that okay that I've said that? And, you know, that can, that can happen in any situation, you know, any situation that, you know, moving forward into a more kind of liberal world. I think it's, it's super important just to, just to double check or to kind of, yeah. I, and I think actually the not saying anything. So if you were to be going, I'm not going to mention my mom at all and rah, 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 that's actually more hurtful because I would never want you to feel like that. If you were to say, I've just mentioned my mom, has that like, could you tell me about your mum? I know, you know, I know if, if you don't want to, that's okay. Mm. And that, that kind of puts the ball in my court, but is, is, is meant that you've gone, I acknowledge what's happened to you. I see that it's trickier, but yeah. we can still talk about it because it's, it's, it's your lived experience, you know? I'd be intrigued to know how you've seen this last 12 months and the crisis we've been going through based on your take on life because mm. of what's happened. How, how, how has that been? It's it's definitely been a lot. When it sort of all started kicking off with everything, I thought, oh my God, here we go. Like, if if my life was a movie, I thought, this is a bit too much now. Like, I don't think we need both. Like, you know, if you're the director being like, mm, is that a little bit much maybe? Like, hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I don't... Like, like, maybe they're drowning, but they're also on fire. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I, I don't mean to... Because I am very aware of the sort of mass grief that has occurred because of this pandemic and it's truly awful so I'm just saying this obviously from my point of view of everything yeah the pandemic has been an interesting sort of kick of chili sauce in the curry there we go there's another little (laughs) metaphor um chili sauce in the curry that's a fucking hot curry uh, (laughs) yeah it is it is so uh yeah I think that what the one of the sort of slightly downsides of the the pandemic for me which I found tricky is it's it's blurred the lines for me of who you can see and who you really can't see because it everybody's missing somebody everybody's missing their family everybody's sad that they're unable to you know so that it's blurred it has blurred that because I think there's a part of me that's like oh when it's normal it'll be normal and then it's like well no it won't be exactly normal ever again but um so I think before before the pandemic I was really quite awful with my own company like I would get so in my head if I spent the day indoors by myself by the by about four o'clock I'd be like nobody likes me I've got no friends I'm a loser everything's terrible like I really couldn't handle just like sitting with my own thoughts can I just say I like you oh thank you (laughs) thanks so much so yeah I would really kind of like rely on others to get my energy and to get my kind of validation and all sorts of stuff like it really just and being busy as we said earlier like during this this period the year before was crucial basically and and keeping myself afloat and keeping kind of like the swan's feet paddling under the water oh my gosh I'm just throwing them around aren't I the swans escaped hot fuzz (laughs) throwing the analogies and metaphors I hope everyone's following what I'm on about right now we've got the supermarket of life we've got a chili curry we've got swans (laughs) don't put them all together I just (laughs) that's a great film that is we put them all together (laughs) we've got people on fire underwater (laughs) oh my god (laughs) maybe I'll do a drawing about it Um, so yeah so being forced into a kind of space that was kind of almost what I secretly wanted 
when everything happened with my mum, you, you're, you're going, my world's just completely collapsed. Why are you still out at McDonald's? Why are you at the pub? What are you doing? Like, please stop. Everybody just pause a second. Everyone just pause a second. But I really learned to get into it because I think I've always been quite good at the, the self-soothing side of self-care. So, you know, like a bubble bath, a walk around the park, listening to a good podcast, which is always listening crucial. to this podcast doing doing things that sort of like actively self self soothe you oh my gosh that's really hard to say self soothe <laughs> self soothe self soothe you and make you feel good you know like glass of wine some chocolate and a good you know all those things that kind of just make you feel good the side that I wasn't so good at was facing my kind of demons the things that were a bit ugly the things that needed airing I wasn't brilliant so what the pandemic and the lockdown did for me was made made me go okay Becky let's look at what's going on here internally because I don't think you have just yet the best way to describe it with grief and and pain and and sadness and whatever, whatever it is is here we go with another analogy so just follow me if you can I feel like if it was your flat for me it was like the ugly armchair that's in the corner that's like really dated a bit dusty maybe it's got like some weird something on it that god knows where that came from was it you was it the previous owner like it's 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 like hideous chili sauce infested curry all over it yeah it's got some swampy or something (laughs) and it sat there and it doesn't fit the room and it's really ugly and you kind of just ignore it and ignore it ignore it and maybe you even put it outside, which I think I did. You put it outside. But actually then what happens is it's it's then neglected and it's going to sit in the elements, in the rain, in the snow, and it's, it's going to rot. It's going to just get worse and worse and worse. And it's not gone. It's still outside. It's still yours. You still have to deal with it. So actually it's having it in the room and, and giving it a nod and going, okay, right, I'm going to come sit in you in a little while and, and, and experience what you are. So that's what I started to try and do so I think my way of doing that was definitely art because I think with anything that's a bit chaotic and a bit messy if you can try and give it some kind of structure some kind of form some kind of tangibility it suddenly is less powerful because it's not the thing anymore that's inside you it's it's just the thing it's out of you so for some people I think that's writing for some people that's doing drama and art dance whatever it is for you and for me it was definitely art and it it doesn't mean anything's gone it just means I'm giving something that feels a bit wordless a bit kind of messy again it, it gives it some kind of form that I can then go okay that's what you are I've I've kind of decreased your power a little bit because I've made you something else I, I, I've got you out of out of me <laughs> <laughs> because it does it fills you it it, it really does it, it's it's very bizarre I've never experienced anything like this feeling that I have in the last two years and it needs breathing space it really does so that's what the pandemic gave me is the time to go okay how do I do that and it was pretty important and needed mm. I think a weird blessing in a sense because it was weren't yeah you were doing you were doing okay but then you you got more time to just be with yourself mm. and I remember you saying that you feared it a lot at the start You're I, like, totally I didn't steal all this time like and I was, we were all the same, weren't we? we were all yeah, find, obviously everyone. everyone. was trying to find these, you know, hobbies and things to take up, definitely in the first lockdown where, you know, we didn't really know when it was ending. Everyone just started doing all these, you know, 
things they'd never really done before or they returned to an old skill or you know something but you you know you you did you found something or mm, rather well, you, pick, you picked up something again that you'd always had a, a passion for yeah but you maybe been afraid to fully commit to again mm. or, or invest time in yeah and I, I guess it it meant that finding an image for something finding an image for a feeling meant that the feeling no, no longer had you which was so powerful like having that realization of going okay I've just got that out and like that's so cool and and as you said it, it I've always loved art I've always done art I've but in in that year in that initial year of grief I, I couldn't even really pick up a pen at all to write a form let alone do a nice drawing and I think what I realized that is that art doesn't need to be a nice drawing it can be an art, expression of whatever you want it to be art can be anything and you should have seen my attempt at art when we did like a little <laughs> workshop session during lockdown I'd say what Picasso eat your heart out mate <laughs> We, we did like sketches of each other and the way he was like sketching, I was thinking, oh my God, like he looks like a proper artist. This looks like it's going to be really good. Like I'm really proud of him. He turned it around and honestly, I've seen nine-year-olds like produce better quality. Draw- I was shocked actually. Duncan. I gave you a bit of a large net. Remember that. Yeah. But as we, as we all know in this, Expressionist. Modernist. In, uh, in, in this room that um, art is down to interpretation yeah. and it's. Um, I behold a people. I yeah. behold. I mean, brilliant by the way, but like an, an amazing analogy as well. And I'll touch on that very briefly just now. This idea that like, the armchair is something that you think you've just removed and actually you said oh you know it's neglected and 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 i thought that was very very pertinent but also the idea that you think you've got rid of it but i think some people try and just flat out cold turkey get rid of something like that mm-hmm. but it, it you are just putting it outside and it is always mm-hmm. there and you walk past it every now and again you'll see it whereas actually doing something creative with it and engaging with it you're mm-hmm. right does remove the power so i thought that was brilliant and so so articulate yeah, but yeah. i'm gonna go on to this mutual drawing session you took part in which we got bored let me tell you weirdly started out you know when you were telling the story i was like this is this is therapeutic it's this is a nice hobby it's a nice thing to be doing is it oddly romantic? Is it is it like a nice romantic <laughs> thing? And then Duncan turns the drawing round and it is it was never romantic because what's let's, that? <laughs> let's just say it was the first and last couples drawing session. <laughs> well, I thought if they, this is how you see me, Duncan, then it's all downhill from here. <laughs> this is what I look like to you. You're listening to the Quarter Life Chronicles with Duncan and I. Bex, thank you so much for talking so brilliantly and so eloquently about what happened a couple of years ago. We're actually going to talk about your artwork. Bex, can you tell us a little bit about your art? I can. So my artwork, Gibbs Inc. Yeah, it definitely started back up in a kind of big way during lockdown where I was basically spending all my days painting and drawing and ignoring me. <laughs> well you know <laughs> and yeah it is it's definitely all grown out of my own experiences a lot of the art and illustrations that I do are based on myself as in that literally is me <laughs> or something that I felt or experienced um and I guess it's out there to kind of promote better mental health to promote grief support and grief acknowledgement and that it's okay to talk about these things and it's uh, yeah to promote self-love and self-appreciation as well so yeah I I started the page about a year ago now which is quite weird recently celebrated the first birthday oh (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it definitely at the beginning took a lot of persuading to like 
because it is a big thing it's it, it, you feel incredibly vulnerable I think what's so scary about art or writing or I guess social media as another social media in general or you know theatre or anything like that is that you put all this time and effort into something and in an instant someone can look at it or read it or whatever it is and go no not for me but equally they can look at it and go that really just connected with something I was feeling or I didn't realize I needed to see that just now or that is me I see myself in that I relate to that I connect to that and that's what any artist creative could ever wish to achieve with anything so I guess for me it was like one I think I've definitely got braver in the sense of what's the worst thing that could happen the worst thing that happened could happen has happened so do you know what there's not much else to fear. Like there obviously is, but like that, that sense of fear has gone a bit. So I'm just like, do you know what, whatever, like I'm, I'm going to put my stuff out there. And if people are on board with it, brilliant. If they can get something brilliant, if they can learn something brilliant, but if not, it's not for them, that's fine too. Like, so there, there's a bit of a kind of liberation in that. Brilliant. And I suppose like the, the, the follow-up to that as well, because I think that's amazing. It's where our logo comes from, so you'll see sort of examples of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was a commission. That was commission led. Yeah, was yeah. I said, "Oh, you want to actually?" You know what I said? This is quite. This is quite funny, actually. When, when we were designing the artwork, when we came to you know planning this podcast, I was like, "Right, we need some decent artwork here. I can't. I have to use Becky. You know, I can't. I can't ignore the talent. Be rude, not in my own in my own house. I can't ignore the talent. Oh, um, yeah. But I kind of wanted. I had a specific idea of what I wanted, and I was like, "Oh, I want kind of like cartoony, as if it's sort of been drawn by a child, but yeah. kind of quite good." And then Bex was like, "Oh, I don't really understand." I was like, "You know, like Joe Lycett." I was like, "Oh, you know, he does artwork. Like he drew Chris Whitty at one point." And it sold for like shit tons at an auction or something in aid yeah. of COVID. Anyway, I was like, Bex, can you do something along the lines of that? Like child looking, but like kind of nice. He was like, draw us, but like a little bit manic, like a little bit like we're sort of in a quarter life crisis at that very moment. I was like, okay, <laughs> and then, I'll, I'll do my best. And then, I'll, I'll and work she, with the brief. And then she made Lyle look fabulous and they and made me look like my mum. Oh, <laughs> sorry, you had your mum's haircut. What was I supposed to do? Oh, oh. gosh. But I suppose a really interesting thing and something I'd like to ask you is with any art form, especially if it's something like this and it's being put on, put out on social media. Um, I do a lot of uh, music on mm-hmm. social media. Those of you who know me, some people do poetry, whatever. There is a bit of a double edged sword to it, if that's the right phraseology, which is it's designed to generate a response in those who see it and watch it and listen to it. But I'm also going through something myself in putting this out. It's quite a vulnerable thing and a brave thing to do. What do you get from it when you do this artwork and when you put it out on social media? And then what is the hope in terms of what people who see it will get out of it? Are they one in the same or are they different things? What have you found with that? Yeah, really interesting. You just touching on music just then. So if you're doing a a cover, I guess, of a song, it still means something to you, I'm assuming, like it still feels like your song it still feels like your lyrics it cuts through to to something in you and I guess for me sharing my pieces is the hope that it can make that same impact because there are other people in my position they're not necessarily in my circle in my friends but I've I've definitely found a community through Instagram and through through being as you say vulnerable through being a bit brave with what what I'm sharing that's meant that I've connected with people, which is so beautiful. It's so lovely because to have someone go, I get that, that feeling that you've just captured in, you know, a painting or drawing, Mm. that resonates with me. And for for someone to say that, 
to me or to to connect it to what I'm feeling because it is it's as well as being a piece of art it's it's me is a really amazing thing and it's so needed as well because grief can be incredibly incredibly lonely because it is so individual it can be the same grief but the two you know the two people affected i.e me and my brother will have completely different stories and completely different experiences Mm. of that and but there there is this kind of universal language of it which is an universal understanding I think so for me it's like it's a release for me to to do my art it releases something that is wound up in me or that feels like it's spilling out I am quite an open person as we've all probably realized (laughs) (laughs) through this chat so I think with with this I can't help but be honest I can't help but just share and yeah it just felt important to and it felt liberating to be honest and as I said before hiding from the truth does worse than just being like this is the truth and I think art can belong to anybody so a piece of art can be yours and exist in your home because you you know you've bought it or you've commissioned it or whatever it is and that's yours and it's the artist's, and that's really beautiful I think that's really it's a really important point you made because obviously I think what you've touched on there is that you hope people who are going through similar things or have gone through similar things to what you've gone through, see something in your artwork that resonates with them and mm. encourages them to explore their own version. What you touched on there is that art can also be different to different people. You know, that's that's yeah. the beauty of it is. And so there are parallels to be drawn. I think I think that I would, I would say, because I've seen this art page not just grow, but I've seen it give you growth. Like you've really, as it's gone, as, it, as it's bloomed, you've really, you've bloomed. Like you've found a new lease of, life in a really big sense of the word but also just a new enjoyment a new something that's giving you purpose purpose again mm. and i've seen it in you and you, you know and you i remember i've had i remember a conversation with you two years ago where you were like i don't Duncan, i don't know how i'm going to move forward i don't know how i can do this mm. but you have without even realizing it you have mm. and yeah you're not there and you'll never be fully there but that in life we're never fully there no you don't ever you know? land i think we that's ever, that's the there is never that first, moment where you, know, you go oh i've made it and I don't know why we maybe through films or whatever we <laughs> yeah, think yeah, that yeah, we're yeah. going to land. You don't. You just you hit something that can be positive or negative, and you move on. Like, and I, what I've really realised is pain is an agent for change. Ch- you know, it's telling you change something, do something with this. And so for me, that's what art was like: do something with this because otherwise it will just sit and it will just fester. Yeah, I just couldn't let that happen. I was like, I choose me. I choose life. I choose mm. to not let this define me and it may seem then if you look on my page going oh grief girl like talking about all her gr-, you know well, but, but it's, it's that, not it, it's that was actually what, that was the other thing I was going to say is that I don't I don't agree with that because I think yes your your page does have content about grief and and rightly so but there's other stuff on your page to do with anxiety mental health how how to navigate the world at the moment how to navigate being a young person yeah it's, it resonated with so many people I've got friends friends of mine that have contacted me personally and messaged me and gone I really enjoy what your girlfriend's doing on a page we really we, we really mm. relate to it we look forward to our latest posts because it really gives us that little boost we need each week I think I'm just essentially done with the bullshit of like the fluffiness of chat but you know like there is this fluffiness that we we, we bring you know because we're, we're trying to protect ourselves and if you can if you can go life's too fucking short like let's talk let's have these conversations let's Let's talk about the taboo things. Let's talk about mental health. And that, you know, slowly is becoming a conversation and is becoming, ta- you know, it is being taken seriously. Mm. And and grief needs to be part of that conversation because mm. it affects everybody at some point. It really does. And they, they say that when somebody passes away, five people will be profoundly and fundamentally affected by that loss. The only things we can guarantee 
in life are that we are born and that we die and that sounds so morbid but it's the truth and you know as humans we go oh you know we live in a city that has buildings and we we can kind of pretend that we're in control but we're not we've got no control over (laughs) everything and there's a power in that going okay so let's live this fucking day to the max yeah you know totally we talked um a lot about the power of putting things on paper and putting things getting things out of you and and putting them somewhere that you making them tangible yeah tangible and i wonder what you think about art in general as a kind of tool I mean, I'm a creative person. <laughs> I'm a creative artist. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, I think that art is so crucial because it is, it's the storytelling that we need to understand the world that we're in. It's the, the lightness that we need sometimes. It can be the darkness that we need to remind ourselves exists. I, I love theatre for what it brings and, and the atmosphere and, and the, the palpableness of being in the room for theatre. Can't wait to get back into theatre can't wait to see theatre and what's brilliant about art is it's as as an artist you go I'm feeling this I've got this idea I'm just going to put it on paper and then it's a thing I like the instantness that art has yeah um and I also follow some amazing amazing accounts that I look at their pieces and go wow that has got to me and that's I think that's also what inspired me to start my pages is that I've connected with people being honest and being truthful and owning their story if you're brave enough to own your story it will give something to somebody else to me I mean I would be one of those people who'd walk into an art exhibit and go someone's put a coke can on a plinth (laughs) and told me that's my heart what what I'm looking at is a stick of celery on a plinth (laughs) and I'm being told that's melancholy and then there's a paragraph (laughs) say what when i when i eat celery i do feel quite melancholy i feel melancholy because i don't know what it's supposed to be i feel great you can eat eat as much celery as you want and it's got no calories it's just water isn't it yeah and then this idea of like you know performance art great obviously sort of blowing lines between theater and art and all sort of stuff but it's like you know what you are doing in front of me sir is not the essence of nature it's you're rolling around on the floor and someone's throwing mud at you like it's just, somebody I, I else somebody else might look at that performance and go that is exactly your, you are capturing my exactly exactly thing. what i would use and i'm not sure if this is the right word but i'm going to say anyway is is i feel like there's an urgency to art i wouldn't call myself an art you know expert by any stretch of the imagination or anything like that but i'm enthused by art in a way that i hadn't been in in sort of my earlier life because of that urgency people like and i know it's a sort of a cliched example but people like banksy who can just create art on instinct where he she whoever they are is there's an urgency to art you get it on a page you you, you create it you put it on a wall you put it wherever we could create art now the urgency what you're what you're saying about that that completely when you when you said that word I thought yes that's exactly it so I I paint and draw most days if I can you know life gets in the way sometimes but it usually is because there's something niggling or there I'm I'm not quite sitting right with something so I sit and think about it what is that and okay how can I capture this and okay here we go let's go and then it's it's out and you look at it and go okay and so there's been times when Duncan's been like noticed that I'm maybe having an off week or something and he's sort of come over and I've just kind of shown him a piece of art gone yeah this is it this is what because sometimes it captures what you don't have words for like what doesn't you can't really explain it's just like oh this is it yeah oh but you've you've actually developed it into a really really effective coping mechanism where you've like when you're having an off day or Mm. when you are feeling 
you know, having a bit of an anxiety attack, which we all have at times about various things, especially in the last 12 months. You've just now started just to go upstairs and start drawing. And, yeah. you know, you drew something a few a few weeks ago, didn't you? That was like, I think you shared it a few days ago, but you actually did it about a month ago well, when I'm you were like, in a really anxiety-riddled place. Yeah. Or you just drew one of you, like all the thoughts that were going through your head. And then you you did it, you put it away in a box and then you shared it a month later because you were like, that was how I was then. Yeah, because look where I am now. Sometimes I, I, actually, you know. it's it's quite scary because it then exists. Like, <laughs> if it's in your head, you can yeah. As we said before, try and put the armchair in the garden and be like, oh. But then if you make it tangible, like it's a piece of art, and then I go occasionally, like that one the other day, I go, oh no, I need to hide that way now because it's real <laughs> and it's there and it's on a piece of paper. There is something scary, and this is with all art forms, but we're obviously we're talking about art in and of itself. There's something scary about that. Of course there is. And like, you know, any art is vulnerability. You get up on stage and you sing or you dance or you act. You know, not everyone can do that. And that's, it's not their fault. It's, it just requires a vulnerability and an openness and a willingness to go, this is, I'm going to try this and I hope you like it, but you might not because everyone's entitled to their own interpretation and opinion. And that's okay. But subjecting mm-hmm. yourself to that is, is quite something. So it's scary doing these things. It's also just always there now with sort of 24-hour rolling news with social media. It's always there. So it's scarier than it's ever been. But mm. it can also be more fulfilling than it's ever been because What's there that? is beauty in it always being there. It, it, it's something you knew you went through. And you can look back and go, at that time, I released that piece of art because mm-hmm. it was something I'd been through. I'm now in this place. And as you say, like, people can look at it however they want, but for you, it's the truth. And I I know I keep saying it's the truth, but it is. It is. So the the, the more you can go, yep, okay, this is is my story. Let's deal with it however fits me. And some people people wouldn't do this, and that's okay too. That's, like, so okay. Like, you don't have to be a martyr in your grief at all. Like, my God. And I don't think I am at all in any way but i'm just doing what i feel is right for me we yeah. say we say these uh, we say these pieces of art always exist and there's a piece of you out there and, and it's 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 brave and it's fulfilling and it's healthy and it, and it, and it moves you forward and, and all, all of the above is absolutely true does duncan's picture of you still exist in real life uh, or is it always that something that no longer i genuinely think it's gone <laughs> i was gonna say it sounds um, to me like that could be something that goes up on our instagram page as an example of i will, hum, I will have a hunt i will have a hunt on, on a note of on a note of pieces that i'm not particularly proud of <laughs> <laughs> are there any pieces that you're particularly proud of i would say fierce woman fierce woman there's a piece called fierce woman that i've done which has been quite like a a big a big one in terms of like cracking a load of things for me so i was like do you know what i'm gonna put on a freaking t-shirt i'm gonna put it on a bag and like people liked it and that was really amazing so i'm really proud of that one um and also the word fierce is hugely inspired from my mum's vocabulary everything that was great was that's fierce oh that's really fierce Bex I love that you know if I had a new dress or something she just loved it oh you're fierce woman so it's it's kind of a stealing that (laughs) it's a bit of a like tribute to her and and I guess it's like also like I am a fierce woman I've I've been through a lot I've dealt with a lot I've handled a lot and yeah I'm gonna be proud of myself for that and I'm she's not here to tell me I'm fierce anymore so I tell myself so that one I, I'm especially proud of and resonates with me and I, I'm proud to wear it, you know, like I'm proud to wear it. And then, yeah, another piece is one that's more in line with mental health is 
it's an image of like a flower blooming and it says how are you and the reply is fine thanks and then you sort of see the roots underneath the ground of all the kind of complexities that they're feeling um i love that one i love it i think it's great i think it, it says yeah. so much and talks about i think it's i think it's brilliant um, and that's just another little sort of promo. Like, check this out. Check this out. Because if it can sort, trust me, listeners, if it can sort me out even for five minutes, then you're onto a winner because I'm all over a the A lot of work needs <laughs> I am anything but fierce at times. You're listening to the Quarter Life Chronicles. Don't forget to follow and share on Instagram and subscribe on Spotify. The Bex. So I say thank you so much for all your honesty and truthfulness. I know, as we've said already, a lot of people will uh, be taking something really important from this. So thank you. Mm. Um, well, can I just take a little opportunity to thank you? Oh, stop. Because Duncan, honestly, has been the, the most amazing support to me. He has jumped into the bear cave, another analogy quickly, fully. He's embraced everything that has come with all of this and has just reaffirmed how amazing our relationship is in that you're pretty special but I just wanted to shout out to Duncan because I don't think you get enough credit for how hard this has been on you and and your core to life years too so I just really appreciate you noted now before I cry let's move on <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I guess yeah what's been interesting that's happened is that I've gone probably only in the last few months kind of gone wait where was I before all of this like what was I, what was my path? What was I doing before all these duties that came with, with being the kind of next of kin, I suppose. And well, there was sad moments to that and good moments in the sense that I've gone, okay, I'm, I need to get back on track with me. But I did have this moment where I've gone, oh, I was, I was just 25 and now I'm 27 and I feel like I'm in the same place, even though I've, I've done a lot of really hard things and really hard work and, grafted and, and sorted and cleared and done all this stuff but I'm still where I was two years ago and I know a lot of us are because of the pandemic and things like that so it's now kind of suddenly trying to pick pick up where I left off almost going okay I'm sort of ready to come up from the surface and take a breath and go okay where where, where was I what what do I want what's what's just mine now what's what's mine to move forward with and that that's both empowering and sad because I think oh god like have I just lost my my mid 20 years to something so yeah it, it, it's it's sort of looking towards my hopes again and my dreams again and and I think there was a huge shift in what my priorities were since everything happened and and that is that I need to take steps towards myself no matter how small and my priorities I think now lie a little bit more with sort of wellness and the relationships I have the friendships I have my passions being authentically me which is really hard to do being truthfully in line with my story I want to first and foremost live a life that I feel fulfilled by emotionally and spiritually maybe even like that my soul feels happy <laughs> i'd like to ask you bex what your contribution might be to what we here at the quarter life chronicles endeavor to call because it's what it's called the league <laughs> of millennial moaners now the league of millennial moaners is a minute loosely where you get a chance to rant about something small that really gets on your nerves like it's a hand in the face to this idea of being called a millennial because we don't like the word millennial here we hate it we hate it and we thought we hate it so much 
we'll do an entire segment on it. And so <laughs> I would like to ask you, Bex, what is your contribution to the League of Millennial Moaners? Fire away. What it is, is not hoovering, the, the sort of the term, the, the thing, but it's the body of the hoover and the movements of that. You know, when you're pulling it along and it gets caught on the, on the like corner of a room and you, it feels as if it is like a really disobedient child and you're like, no, come into this room. We are going into this room now. And like you're pulling and you're pulling and then you have to go over and move it because it's got caught on something. And then it maybe tips over because you've pulled it aggressively and you're like, get up. It's like a, it's like a two-year-old crying on the ground and you're like, get up. And you have to put it up. And it just does not do what you want it to do. Honestly, if I could buy one of those hoovers, I would. I've actually cried in anger because I've, uh, and I've thrown it around, haven't I, Duncan? He'll, he'll have to step in quite often hoovering because we both know in this house that it can really severely anger me to the point of tears because it's just so disobedient and I hate it. I hate it. And I hate when I see that we need to hoover because I know what's coming and I know that it's going to piss me right off. So sometimes, you know what? We have a bit of a mucky carpet. And unless you do it, I'm not going to do it until I'm done. <laughs> so Henry, that is my... Will you get round the corner? Will you stop being Will you just do about? what I want you to do and come with me so that we can get this floor clean? Come on, Henry. Right. There are a couple of here things here. The first thing is just sensational. The second thing is, is that I'm going to really wind you up and you're going to hate me. We have a cordless hoover. But it comes with its own frustrations, okay? Okay. Right? Only lasts half an hour. And even then, that's generous. So it's a bit like, Rapid. you know... Is it, is it one that you, you, you can take around? Or is it one that goes around itself? Because I, I think I want Oh, that. no, no, no. We, we, that kind of scared me a bit. Like, you know, I don't, I, I'd, I'd rather... I'd, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather my hoovers weren't sentient. I'd rather my hoovers didn't <laughs> know what they were supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd rather yeah, I, I do see I'd that. rather I could do it. I'm not sure how I can follow that golden minute of Hoover anger. Um, <laughs> but you know it. But you know it. I do know it because I do live with you and I have seen that rage. But it's big rage on the t- on the topic of uh, of of things that matter to you. Let's, let's move it into a positive field and end our beautiful episode with the quarter lifetime capsule, of course. Now, Bex, we are after three things, which you know full and well, a, an essential item, a luxury item, an unexpected item. I say item, they don't have to be. You know the rules. Could be an event, could be person, could be moment. All you're, all you're doing. Imagine you're gray and old, you open this capsule. What are your three things in this capsule? Rebecca Gibbs, fire away. So, Something that has been completely central to me in the last few years, probably the last 10 years, um, are my female friendships. And I don't know if that is a thing, if that is a idea, if that is a premise, but whatever that is, is what would be my essential. They've been like my absolute solid through everything I've gone through and so brave and shown up in ways that I couldn't have asked for they they've gone above and beyond for me like I'm so 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 grateful for my friends so shout out to my beautiful friends my male friendships of course are so incredibly special too but there is something really incredible about my like best best girlfriends they're sort of like sisters to me and the sisterhood that that's been created through tragedy and through something really awful 
has really kept me afloat. So I'm, I'm, that would be my essential that I couldn't, I couldn't have done anything I've done without those people. So yeah, my luxury would have to be something arty, um, probably paints or pencils or something. Cause that again has seen me through this bizarre couple of years, really strange few years. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful for reconnecting with that. So that would have to be my luxury. Anything that makes you passionate is luxurious, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it has, that's how you could describe it. Being able to do what you love is so great. So that's a luxury yeah, yeah. itself. Brilliant. Um, am I unexpected? <laughs> is Pseudocreme. I don't know if you're familiar with it, Lyle. Do you, do you know of Pseudocreme? So, yes, <laughs> yes I am. <laughs> I I live for this stuff, honestly. I love pseudocreme. Isn't it the best? It's the best. So Alice you know, hates that I love pseudocreme. I love pseudocreme. I, and I, and such, I'm going to get so an, it, much stick for it's saying such I love an all-rounder. It's it a does, versatile cream. It does everything. So it's pseudocreme. Gets in there if you've got like anything that needs seen to, if you've got a burn, if you've got like a weird sunburn, if you've got like a cut or anything, you just pop it on and Sudocrem does the job. So honestly, every night I'm covered in it, aren't I? It's probably really, (laughs) 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 it's probably really unsettling, but I'm sorry, but I just need it. Uh, I come in for a nice cuddle before bed and I'm met with a blotchy face of white antiseptic cream. (laughs) It's, it does the job, and That's I am joy. very grateful. And it would have to go in there. Just would. I'm sorry. I think it's, it's very unexpected. But I tell you what, right? Okay, and um, mates of mine from home will will enjoy this. I think pseudocreme to me is a bit like what water used to be at school. The person in question here will never ever listen to this. But there was a nurse at school. She um, like you could literally walk into the nurse's office at school with a dislocated ankle. And she'd be like, "Is a glass of water, you'll be fine. And it was like the, the water was like the source of all healing, uh, which is not wrong. Like water is obviously very great for you and people should hydrate. And listeners, you should hydrate and drink lots of water. But it was like, my arm is falling off. <laughs> it's swollen. I need more attention than just giving me a glass of water. But pseudocreme is like that. I feel like I it's could literally like the placebo. have... Yeah, I could have anything wrong with my skin and I put pseudocreme on it and I'd feel like I was doing something. And it, yeah, it probably exactly. won't be doing anything to it, <laughs> right? But it's like... There, you can see it. It's white. You yeah, put it on your skin. You've taken action and it's visible. And it's, it rem- it's really visible. <laughs> it's a resilient pharmaceutical product as well. It doesn't go anywhere for a while. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's like it's there for a long time yeah, yeah, yeah. which i like it sticks it out right it doesn't back down when you're like actually maybe this was a rogue call and you start to do this and for, for the benefit of those because this is an audio medium i'm rubbing myself not <laughs> weird, right? okay. not in a weird way i'm rubbing my arm <laughs> this way right okay like when we do our live tour no holds barred. We'd like we'd like to actually just put on record that we would love Pseudocreme to come on board as our chief sponsor of our live tour. Love it. Look love what it. Life Chronicles Live, sponsored by Pseudocreme. Bring it on. If you need any art doing, just let me know. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah. For, for anything wrong with you, Pseudocreme. <laughs> Dex, thank you so much for doing this. If you could just tell our listeners where they can find your art page <laughs> and what else you have on offer, because I know you don't just have art available to buy you have other stuff so it is at gibbs inc g-i-b-b-s underscore 
I-N-K. That's the one. And on there is everything you might need to know. So there's a link to my shop that sells merchandise and various bits and bobs. Um, and I am available to message about prints and different art pieces and commissions and stuff. So yeah, give zinc. <laughs> Do check it out. And I know Lyle about me up here. It is a fabulous page um, and there's so much amazing content for anybody absolutely brilliant yeah 100 percent. check it out check that instagram page out also uh it would be remiss of us before we do say a uh, brilliant farewell to bex he's been absolutely amazing thank you so much for being on i, I echo everything that dunk said of course i do um but obviously uh we've covered some stuff in this episode that is tough it's, it's, it's hard and, and 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 people go through all sorts of different emotions and go through a really tough time and it, it's an indefinite amount of time there are amazing charities like Samaritans and amazing mental health charities that deal with these things. But I'm going to go on record here as the host of this pod alongside Dunks, whereby I say that we're going to make a concerted effort alongside the release of this episode to properly promote where you can go uh, on our social media pages. So if you haven't already, please subscribe and follow our social media pages and Gibbs Inc. where there will be infinitesimal references to where you can go in terms of charities, links, to amazing websites with incredible advice on how to deal with these things. And I'd just like to go on record finally as saying, Bex, we've had a laugh, haven't we? We, we? We've joked a lot about it, but what you've said and how you've opened up about it and how you've been so articulate and eloquent and just brilliantly open has really struck a chord with me, first and foremost. And I think you're fierce as mm. fuck. Um, and long may that continue. Thank you for being on. And I... You're so welcome. Loads of love. See you later. See you later. This has been the Quarter Life Chronicles with Duncan Mitchell and Lyle Fulton. You know the drill. Give us a follow on Instagram and don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Until next week, thanks for listening.